You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, brought to you by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, and everything in between. If you have a piece of hunting gear or a piece of hunting equipment that needs a battery, Interstate Batteries has got you covered. You can go to a local retail store, or you can go visit online at interstatebatteries.com. They have thousands of local retail shops all over the U.S., so you can go there as well. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. This is the Hunting Gear Podcast, and just like the title implies, we cover all things hunting gear and equipment, from discussions with the top manufacturers to product reviews from past hunting experiences. Our goal is to provide you with reliable and unbiased product information in hopes of educating you on new products and assisting in future purchases. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and this episode of the Hunting Gear Podcast starts right now. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Hunting Gear Podcast, and uh, once again, I am joined by the co-host of all co-hosts, Bob Polanik. How you doing, man? Thanks for the introduction. Doing great. How are you? Uh, I'm doing good. Opening season is, I guess, opening day for Michigan and Iowa, that's our respective states, is very, very close, almost so that you can taste it. Are you jacked for the upcoming season? I am. I am um, very ready to put some meat in the freezer. Um, I have lowered my expectations, on or or goals rather, and uh, yeah, I'm ready to uh, put the broadheads, the arrows to use this year. Is this a is this a year of I'm just gonna shoot shit year? Oh yeah, big time. My buddies have all been giving me a hard time because. Like three years ago, I was all like, oh, one, 120 or better or 130 or better. And then last year, I shot like a, I think I shot like maybe like a 95 inch eight point. Yeah. And they were, and they were all just like, I didn't find it. Yeah. I don't even think he died, actually. It was, it was a long story. But yeah, they're all like, what happened? And I was like, dude, I haven't been shooting deer and I'm sick of it. So, so yeah. Sometimes, you know, I hate to say it and come off like this this evil person but sometimes you just gotta kill shit i totally agree i 100 I, I killed a couple of does um but yeah just to get some meat in the freezer but yeah uh kind of recapped on a different podcast but yeah uh just went on a an elk hunt and did not kill an elk so um yeah the freezer has got plenty of space right uh, and on a, on the elk hunt that I just got back from, we we had a, a little running joke at camp because no one no one even got within shooting range of an elk. That I feel sorry for the first doe that walks by in October. <laughs> <laughs> she she does not know what's coming, and it's about <laughs> 500 grains of uh, aluminum and and carbon, and yep. uh, she is she she's just gonna be 
tasty is what I'll say. Yeah. Oh yeah. I can't wait to just never fresh, never frozen inner loins and back straps. Not even going to let them hit the freezer. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. They'll probably, they'll probably be on the grill before the meat even cools down. If, if all goes as planned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. <laughs> well, uh, today we are going to talk once again, as always uh, about gear. And I want to talk about what we have uh, used on our Western trips this year and recap uh, the durability issues, talk about um, what we liked and what we disliked, um, maybe about something that we tried this year and worked or didn't work or things that we want to change on, as far as our gear um, uh, for upcoming for upcoming seasons. Now, you went on this elk hunt with your wife, and she was actually the hunter, and you were kind of the caller slash guide, right? Uh, yeah, basically, yeah, full time, full time caller, and then uh, she's she's a hunter. She didn't yeah. need much guidance, but yeah. yeah, just a little bit of a little bit of help with like the uh, how to set up with the collar shooter situation, but right. yeah. Okay. So from a gear standpoint, did you guys sleep in like a hotel or cabin or were you guys in tents? Um, we had every intention to, you know, bivy, bivy style hunt, um, just for a few days to give her that experience. But, uh, we, all the elk we ran into were low and at very easy, easy access points. Um, so we ended up staying in the cabin the whole time, but, um, uh, yeah, I've stayed in tents before. I, I, if the elk are, are higher or, or further away from all your access points, it's a great option. I think it's a lot of fun, but um, to to ha- to handcuff yourself, the way we did it is we checked out a big ridge our first day, and uh, typically that's where majority of the elk are, and a lot of the bigger bulls. And there was just no elk sign. There was no you know, fresh droppings, hardly any fresh tracks. Uh, and it was quiet the day we did our, our big loop, which is our first day. And it was like, well, uh, I'm not going to go hike, you know, 45 pounds worth of food and, and gear up here if the elk aren't up here. Um, so we kept searching for them and we found them in lower, easy to access country. And it was like, there's not really a point to, I mean, you hike a half a mile to a mile from the trailhead. And you were into into respectable bull elk. Gotcha. So all right, so no tent, camped out. Of, nope. at a cabin. All right, yep. same as kind of same as me. So uh, I don't want to talk about tents, and I don't want to talk about sleeping pads and, and shit like that because you know we didn't use them. Uh, but let's talk about let's just talk about clothing gear. Um, kind of, I know we've already done an episode where we talked about the clothing that we wore. Uh, socks, boots, uh, we've talked about boots, we've talked about socks, but I want to talk about performance of what you have and if there's anything that you uh, are going to change next year. So why don't you just really quickly, what do you have for your clothing uh, and your socks and your boots? Uh, and then we can get into the discussion of how do they perform and uh, if you're going to be keeping them. Alrighty, I'll start from uh, boots and go on up. Uh, boots were crispy boots. They're the crispy summits uh, for September. They're the lightweight version. Uh, I don't think you can beat those. You don't need anything insulated for. I was in Idaho. I, uh, you just don't really need much more than that. Um, even if even if you do get a bunch of rain and snow, you, you're moving around enough that your feet are warm. With uh, you, know, you know, crispy does make those 200 gram insulated boots or, or maybe 400 gram, but I did, I had the uninsulated version, uh, just a pair of, uh, smart wool Moreno socks, their lightweight version, um, went through about three, four pairs of those over eight days. Um, if I would have known that I was going to hunt from a cabin, I would have brought eight pairs, not four. Uh, those get a little nasty after just one day with my feet, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, and then uh, the first couple days were it was warmer. Uh, mornings were always in the 30s, but days always got up into high 60s or low 70s for probably the first three days. So I wore the Apex pants by Sika Gear. Um, really liked those. Um, just had like a 
a core four element. So I think that's the name of it. I had a belt, uh, just a fabric belt. Um, and then for, for, for base layer on the top, it was a Sika uh, lightweight Moreno. And then over that was the apex hoodie. And then over that was the Jetstream vest. Um, and that pretty much, uh, was all I really wore for the first few days. Um, and just a, you know, sick of cap. Yeah. Um, once, Oh, let's see if it, if it was, if it was like, if it was, I don't know, down around 30 in the morning, I'd, I'd hike in with, uh, all that same stuff on plus, uh, Kelvin active jacket. Um, it's, it's not down. It's their like synthetic, like polar tech, uh, lightweight, great option, very breathable. Um, and I would usually, if I was wearing that, I'd usually shed that layer by, by about mm, 9 a.m. Yeah. Uh, for a, for a bino harness, I use the, it's a, it's called marsupial. It's a marsupial gear bino harness. Um, it's got a, a magnet flap. So, uh, it is quiet. And as long as you kind of, um, when, when you pull the flap off, and it opens away from you, and then the flap folds underneath the the bino harness. And there's another magnet that keeps that flap down. Um, I've heard some guys complain about those magnets; they can like make like a, a snapping sound. As long as you're paying attention, it, it's very silent. I would say, um, I would. Well, if we're gonna get into stuff, we'll change. I'll talk. I'll, I'll just talk about that yeah, later. So let's just talk about the perfor- the performance then. Okay. So that's the rundown okay. of, of the gear. Yep. Did you feel that the gear that you were wearing performed like it should have? Yes. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. Now, uh, so that's an easy answer, right? Yes. It, it performed. Has the durability stood the test of time because some of these products have you used m- multiple years uh the apex hoodie that was the second year that i had to use that and that has like i believe the i think the body of it is moreno and then the 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 underarm the arms are uh the inside of the arms is moreno and the outside of the arms is like a soft shell fabric yeah um the underarms underneath my elbows, that's starting to get very um, fuzzy. What is the – what's the name for that? When uh, Fray. It's fr- starting to fray. Yeah, fray and kind of like out. ball up and stuff like that. Yeah, so gotcha. I'm not, not real impressed with that just after two years. And, of course, I'm only using that for a week each year. And so basically after 14 days, you know, it's yeah. – it's starting to start. That's, to a, that's pill. a two hundred dollar jacket. Yeah, yeah. It's starting to pill. Yeah, that's the yeah, that's the term for it. So it get really pilly. Uh, so I wasn't impressed with that. But um, other than that, yeah, everything performed. Boots uh, performed. Any any wear and tear on on the like the soles stood up to all that. Yep, I'm on my I'm on my second year with those, and I wear those a lot. Um, I've, I wear them in the summertime on on camping trips and stuff like that. And those are still, I mean, I've probably got at least oh 250 miles on those, and they're uh, they're holding up just fine. I'll I'll get at least at least one more year out of them, if not two. Right, right. All right. So uh, of what you've talked about there, uh, boots, um, socks clothing uh are you going to be up are you are you thinking you're going to go a different route you're going to stick with what you have uh you're gonna get get something different try something different for your next western hunt um well so it rained so that was just the first three days um it rained on the fourth day and i started using uh the sika cloudburst i think it's called yeah and gosh that is so loud it's so loud I could, I, I couldn't even stand. I mean, I had, I also wore the, the sick of gators. I don't know what they're, I think they're like the thunderhead or something like that. Those worked really well. Loved those. So I would wear, um, so once it started raining, it obviously got colder. Um, so I switched out the apex pants and wore the mountain pants. Um, 
And then I had the gaiters on over the mountain pants, over the boots, you know. And then I had the cloudburst pants and jacket on. And it just was so loud. If you have the hood up on the on the rain jacket, I mean, all you can hear is the raindrops hitting the, the hood. You can't hear anything. So right. that was... That's my biggest pet peeve about wearing rain gear. Like, I wore my jacket, but I had to, like, have my ears outside of the hood. Yeah. Because when the drops hit the jacket it's so loud you can't even hear yourself think right exactly exactly so um but all the i mean it kept me dry so right so it performed how i how i wanted right okay so any any thing in this trip where you're just like screw this i'm getting rid of it and i'm getting new I've got to figure out something with my bino harness because of those magnets. My so I use Onyx, yep. and with Onyx you can click like the um, you can click like the point that finds you, yep. and then if you click it again, it will show you what direction you're facing, and then it will get you know north will rotate to wherever north is, but it will show you where you're aiming. With those magnets right at my chest, right where I hold my phone. It was throwing that off, so I could not even use that option. Oh, really? That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know if it was the magnet. All I know is that my wife was using Onyx on her phone. She did not have any magnets in her bino harness, and she had no problem. Gotcha. And it didn't matter. It didn't matter what I did. I turned my phone on and off. I recalibrated my compass. It just, you know, it's an iPhone eight. It, it shouldn't have any issues. Uh, uh, the only thing I can think of is those magnets were throwing it off. Huh. That's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, you probably weren't to a, a stage where you felt like you were going to get lost any anytime soon. But I can see how if you're trying to side hill a big piece of uh, land and you want to end up in one place, I can see how that would that would be a distraction if you're going too high or too low on a on the face of a mountain. Oh, it, it got me all turned around in the dark. We were hiking out in the dark one night and we went down we went down a drainage ditch that was the wrong drainage ditch. And that sucks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it sucked bad. Yeah. It was not good. Not good. All right. So your bino harness and the magnet issue. Um anything else? Uh as far as clothing no, I, for whatever reason, I don't know if it was just because it was so wet one day, but my boots, the inside of my boots did get wet. And I don't know if it was more so I wasn't wearing rain pants. I was just wearing the mountain pants with the gaiters. And I don't know if just like the moisture that my, my knees and thighs were gathering was traveling down the inside of like through the fabric inside the gators down into my socks and my boot. I don't know if that's how they got wet or if it was just so dang wet that, it, you know, at some point it just water starts seeping through, but yeah. it only happened. It only happened one time. And it was, you know, it was after hiking around for five hours in the rain that my feet got wet, but I was yeah. able to dry my boots out and I was fine for the rest of the trip. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a perfect uh, transition to me talking about mine uh, because I, I experienced the same thing. I had on the wet days, I had some moisture in my boots, but on the dry days, I didn't. So I don't know if there's some like uh, air balance thing that's going on there where if it's really humid and wet outside, it's not pulling that, it's not allowing the moisture front that's created in the boot to be pulled out. Maybe. I don't right. know. That's just a, a guess at this point. But uh, I also had a pair of Krispies on on this hunt. This is the second year I used them. I think I'm going to have to get a different boot. I, I think I had the Thors. And uh, I'm going to have to get a different boot for next year. This boot will now be a uh, an Iowa early season outdoor type boot, you know, Hey, let's go shed hunting type of boot. Um, I feel that it performed awesome. The first year it performed awesome early season while I was deer hunting. Um, it performed awesome while I was training, but when I got up into the mountains, I started to experience, uh, I don't know what it's called, like boot growth. I think it's called where I was tightening 
I was tightening my laces and they became, and because of the, the boot actually expanding or growing or whatever, it, it was, um, I don't know, like my boot was becoming loose. Like I was having to stop and retie the laces over and over and over again. And when I was side hilling, um, there's a lot of slippage when I was coming down my, uh, I feel like my heel wasn't getting locked into place. And I experienced a little bit of that last year, but not so much, uh, this year. I feel like my, I was having to stop and tie my boots because I didn't have the, the tightness that I, I needed or the heel that was locked in place. You know what I mean? Yep. 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 So, so, um, the boots, you know, if I walked away with a new pair of the same boots, I think I would be fine. But uh, I might try something a little different. I might stick with crispy, but just a different pair. I might try leather. Um, there's a, a couple other boots uh, I want to take a look at. But I feel that I, um, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna buy a new pair of boots before the next next year's Western hunt. Um, okay. Socks. I, I stuck with the exact same uh, pair, and I actually bought another pair, so I rotated them in and out every single day, let them get uh, dry, you know, on, the, on their off days. But I went with an Altera. It's called the uh, Altera uh, Prevail sock. It's an it's a alpaca, uh, alpaca, uh, alpaca uh, fiber. It's really, really comfortable, really good. Um, it, it's, a it's not a thin sock, but it's a, I would say, and it's not a thick, but it's a medium sock. Uh, it, it just feel, felt comfortable in my, uh, in my boot all day long. It wicks moisture away really well. So my inside of my boot, some days were a little moist, but my feet were never wet. And, uh, that's a, that, that's big when you're out there all day long, stomping through some creeks and, uh, stuff like that, or walking through wet grass. This year, like I said, uh, similar to you, I added a pair of gaiters, and because I was uh, last year walking through creeks and walking through uh, wet grass in the morning, I felt that those those gaiters really kept the water out of my lower pants, which I think sometimes that crept into my boot. So wearing those gaiters, from, and I got them from Kenetrek. I bought them. I think I bought them off Amazon, but they were the Kenetrek brand, and they did really well. Uh, they Velcro in the front of the. They Velcro in the front of the boot, and they did their job. They kept the bottom of my pants really dry. Uh, walking through wet grass and through the creeks, they kept my socks dry. They kept, uh, and I think that kept moisture out of my boot as well. Uh, so really happy with those, and I think going into my South Dakota hunt and future Western hunts, I think that's going to be a staple on how I control moisture in and out of my feet. I think it did that good of job. Uh, and then, you know, similar to you, I rock Sitka. Um, I, I wore a core lightweight base layer every single day. It did its job. I wore the mountain pants every single day. They did their job. These are all. The, this is all the same gear that I wore the previous year. Um, the first day it was somewhat warm, so I I just wore the Apex hoodie as a base layer. I really like that piece. Um, it's going to be a staple even into archery season, I think. And uh, I'm going to be wearing a base layer underneath of it. Uh, the apex hoodie over and I'll wear that until I get cold and then layer up from there. Uh, then when we stopped, I would throw on my Calvin light vest and then over top of that, my mountain jacket and that kept me warm and, uh, and, and for the most part dry throughout the entire trip. I didn't need to go any, any heavier than that. There was a morning where it was down into the low thirties, high twenties, just one day. And I got a little chilly, but when the sun came up, I just stepped into the sun and it warmed me, you know, warmed me right up. Um, you know, I wore just this random hat that I have. Uh, I, like I, I said earlier when you were bitching about the, the, uh, rain jacket that is going to be the next piece of hunting gear that i invest in 
is going to be a good rain system. I don't know if I necessarily need the jacket. I might, but definitely, or uh, the pants, but definitely the jacket. That jacket that I have, it cost me like 30 bucks, and uh, it is a $30 rain jacket. I mean, it it does not breathe at all, so the moisture from my body gets trapped in, and it actually makes like a layer of wetness uh, yep. in, inside and it's it's it blocks the rain off but it doesn't do a great job of it so there is some moisture that gets in through it and i think i'm on my last year of that i'm gonna i'm gonna bring it to uh, south dakota and see how it performs but i don't think it's gonna be making many more trips after that other than to maybe the the timber for a sprinkle here in there for a whitetail season. But I think the next big investment that I make is going to be a really high quality rain jacket just because these short showers are great. But if I ever went up and had to endure an all day rain, I think I would have been in trouble uh, and I would have right. got wet and I would have got cold. And then I would have had to get off the mountain back to the, the camp. So I think the next thing that I really look into is going to be, a better rain system. I'll probably just end up buying pants and a jacket, uh, just in case. Uh, I want. I was up there with a guy who had a QU system, and it was badass because it was like tearaway pants. You could literally zip them up and down all the way off, so you don't have to take your boots off and you don't have to uh, um, take anything off. You just you know throw them on, zip them up, and you're good to go. The, the zippers yeah. come all the way down the side. He had a really good uh, jacket that went along with those pants. I don't know the name of them at this point, but he was telling me that uh, uh, they they performed really well for him, and he showed me the inside of his and his jacket. It was solid dry. I think it had a it had a, a layer on the inside that wasn't the rain jacket. It wasn't just like straight whatever that material is, synthetic rubber. I don't even know what they're made out of, some plastic. But it was some fabric on the inside. And I think what that allowed was the garment to breathe, right? So yeah. I'm going to be looking into uh, some rain jackets. And then as far as gear is concerned, uh, clothing is concerned, I think that's it. I'll probably be buying a new pair of boots. I'll probably be buying, because, you know, boots have a life expectancy anyway. I noticed, I, I noticed, and it's probably how I took care of them. I am definitely that guy who wears a pair of boots. When you're done wearing them, you just throw them right into the, uh, you know, right in, into the garage and they sit there with mud and, and junk on them for however long until the next time that you wear them. Right. Sure. Yep. So there, I did notice a little bit of cracking in the sole, but I don't think it, it's going to hinder, hinder me. I think there's probably something I need to do. I think they have like conditioning, some kind of conditioning that I need to do to the boot in order to get it, uh, you know, to make it last longer. But um, new pair of boots, new rain rain outfit for next year. And uh, I think I'm going to be able to get away with the same, you know, clothing that I've been wearing uh, the previous two years. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I think that I might change um... – the mountain pants. I don't know if sick is going to update those, but, uh, I, I like how the apex pant fits a lot better than the mountain pant mountain pants, a lot more baggy. And I noticed that, uh, if you were kind of, you know, just hiking down a, a trail, uh, at, at a quicker pace, you know, maybe it's on the way back to the truck or in the morning on the way in, but the swishing of the pants, uh, was kind of a, Huh. Made some made some un, unnecessary noise, and I think it was all due to because it's just a, a touch baggier. Those apex pants are cut more. I'm not gonna say they're cut like a skinny jean or anything like that, but uh, they're fit. just more. Yeah, they're more tapered. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I did notice that. On top of that, they don't have. You know, uh, I don't know how much those mountain pants cost. Probably 200 bucks, but like they don't even have a spot on the pocket, like your 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 hip pocket for like. Uh, like where you put your hand for like your knife to catch well. Um, you know, a lot of pants have that integrated in where they have like a little, like a, a tougher piece of fabric right there where your the bottom of your pocket meets your pants. Yeah. Uh, they don't, they don't have that. That was kind of, which is not a big deal, but, um, yeah, I just made it so my knife wouldn't stay just a pocket knife. wouldn't really stay on my hip very well. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So maybe they'll update the the pattern. I think they came out with there's some other pants they have that I might try. So that's that's the only thing I might change around. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, overall, I mean, what is uh? Did your wife have cl- like gear from Sitka for women? Did she rock yeah. that stuff too? Yeah. Yeah. How, how did she like that? She li- she liked it a lot. She doesn't like <laughs> she doesn't like their camo pattern, but uh, other than that, no. She she liked how it performed. She had the oh the Timberline pant, which essentially is the mountain pant, but it's got like the waterproof knees and the waterproof seat. Um, I noticed the same thing, like kind of where uh, so on the seat of the pants. Uh, that that like waterproof gray area. If you look on Sika's website, it's very identifiable what pants I'm talking about. But the seat has like a gray spot on them, where like that's the, the, the reinforced reinforced butt part, um, where that kind of rubs together on the upper thigh. That makes a little like swishing sound. Uh, I noticed that last year with my my buddy that wears like the men's version of the Timberline pants. Um, that makes a little bit of noise when you're walking. She then wore, oh, I think a Moreno base uh, layer, the Sikkim Moreno base layer for women. And then on top of that, she actually wore her, like, Whitetail Fanatic uh, hoodie. Yeah. Uh, just the, the lightweight one, which which is essentially almost like an Apex hoodie, you know. Um, and then, yeah, just a vest. Kind of the same setup as what I had. Uh, just the, the Jetstream vest. She wore the mountain jacket because the mountain jacket came with a hood. Um, the Jetstream jacket for women does not come with a hood, which is kind of, I don't, I don't know why they did that. The men's Jetstream comes with a hood. So, okay. uh, and, then, um, and then she had the same rain gear, that cloudburst stuff. Uh, she kind of said the same thing. It got the hood up very loud. But um, And then as far as gloves go, I wore the traverse gloves they're a they're they're like they're not a lightweight but they're not a heavyweight they're not even a medium weight but they just they fit really well and the thumbs and the index finger made it uh where i could still use my onyx on my phone Uh, yeah that's a big thing uh yeah oh yeah very nice because i hate having to take my gloves off to activate my phone Mm -hmm. yep so and i was doing i mean I was raking trees every day. I was grabbing big sticks and, you know, half the time they're wet and stuff like that. And, uh, it's just a great protection layer for your hands, uh, when you're just, you know, ripping on branches and, and, and hitting trees and breaking branches and stuff like that. So yeah. I really liked those. She wore, I think on her left hand, which she holds her bow with her left hand, she wore the mountain glove. And then on the right hand, she wore the, um, the, uh, the, like the whitetail fanatic glove, you know, where it's got the, thumb and in index or just half finger. Yeah. So that was her setup and she liked that quite a bit. Cool. All right. So I'm going to kick off, uh, like the rest of the gear and I know that you didn't hunt. So, um, like I said, we won't talk about that, but I'm going to say my backpack performed very well. Again, um, one thing that I've noticed is, uh, I have the, uh, outdoorsman pack, uh, the frame, um, with the muley pack which is a small it they have a variety of different packs like packs that attach to the frame so i have the smaller muley pack and then i have the water bladder i really like that system and how it works and um i have a they have a a game bag or it's like it's called the meat sling that you attach to it so if you uh, you can fix it flat and then you can put your pack and your water bladder over it so that way when you do kill and you do have meat to take back that meat sling is already there on the pack and you can loosen it up to then throw the meat and everything in and then you'd have to figure out like attach the 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 pack portion of it to a different place on the on the pack so that system works really good one thing that i've noticed is over the years similar to my boots i i have to continue tightening the the belt part of it like it slips and i don't know if it's the actual buckles that aren't holding the the belt or if it's the actual belt that um is starting to wear on it but i noticed that they have um they have replacement buckles you can buy for that 
I'm I'm just trying to figure out uh, if I need to replace the buckle or if it's the actual belt. The fabric still looks good that the belt portion is made out of, um, but it's just one thing I, I noticed that I, I had to keep continuing to tighten and tighten and tighten my belt. And again, a lot of that has to do with the 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 terrain that we were in right i wasn't just hiking i was climbing over deadfall and i was having to go like stand up straight and i was having to squat down and do all these different moves that i wouldn't say that when you're designing a pack that you're thinking about that but it's something that i noticed okay yeah so i i wore a backpack every day uh as well i wore the um mystery ranch metcalf i think it's called yep um which is that was a finalist uh, that was a finalist for when i was looking uh looking for backpacks for what a western hunt and that metcalf made like the the final one of the final cuts i highly recommend it i've been using it for two years and it's a great backpack it uh whether you're gonna bring camp in for five days and you need the room for all that um, and then you get, you know, your tent set up and all your food hung and all that type of stuff. And then you want to cinch it back down to where it can kind of become a day pack the way, like all the buckles work on it. It can, it can collapse right back down to a very small pack. Um, one thing about it, uh, it only has one, or it's got two ways in. You can either go through the top or there's only one zipper on the side. It is not, both sides don't have a zipper. Just one side has a zipper. So that can kind of, I mean, it's nice because it's simple. There's less to go wrong. I used to run a Tenzing 6000 that had zippers and compartments all over it. And by the, after two years, like half the zippers had, had fallen apart, you know, had come apart where I couldn't even use them anymore. Um, and then the lid system for the the Metcalf, uh, the way they designed that, it's uh, it's not just one 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 pocket on the lid they divided it into two so like as it as it like crowns over the top of your lid it doesn't pull all that fabric tight it's got its own two compartments so you don't lose any space uh if you cinch that lid down on there you, you I i'm doing a poor job of explaining it you probably have to go to the website and look at it but um uh, belt issue no belt issue uh I never really had to readjust it maybe once a day or something like that. Um, so yeah, it's a very, very nice pack. I'm very happy with it. So, and it's got, it's got the meat, it's got the meat shelf kind of like what you're talking about. So if you do kill an elk, the, uh, the, the bag does, uh, detach from the frame. Uh, it stays attached at the very bottom. There's a, there's a piece of fabric there. So it kind of just opens up. Uh, you put that meat quarter in and then you put your bag back on, you kind of sandwich that quarter, uh, right in between the frame and the bag. And then that keeps the weight right on your back, which is where you're going to want it anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I know that for, for me on my pack, if I decided to do, I'd have to come up with something creative. I might have to go and buy, I, I like the frame, but I would need a, probably another pack. Uh, that they offer a bigger uh, square square inch or cubic inch uh, pack other than this day. This muley pack is basically a day pack. Um, the cool thing is you can take it off the frame and you can also wear it as its own pack. So okay. it has straps and another belt on it as well, but you can also take that off and buckle it to the, to the frame. Um, so I would probably, if I was going to start doing, a, if I was going to start doing a lot more spike camps and, and camping and bringing a tent and a sleeping bag with me, I would probably need to do more of a, a, a bigger square inch or just set my, probably play around with it, set it up to where I could fit all that extra gear on there. Um, along with, you know, different layers, changes of clothes and food and all that stuff. But for the most part, it it did what I wanted it to do, uh, while I was up there, uh, never got to shoot my bow, uh, or arrows, but, uh, and I, I don't want to jump to conclusions, but I, I got to figure out something with, uh, my arrows. Uh, I think, I think 
I'm not 100% sure because it, it's a combination probably of my bow, which for all intents and purposes is working well. It's probably me if I had to guess, or it's, uh, it's the combination of the four fletch arrow, the weight and the four blade broadhead that it may be not tuning as well as what I liked. And, uh, like I said, it's probably operator error when it comes to that, because I, I went out and I shot last night and I shot really well last night and I don't know it, what the scenario is. It's something I got to look into, but I, I really want to figure out my, I want to try to find a, a 500 grain or over arrow setup that is tuned perfectly. That's got four fletches and a fixed blade up front. Uh, I, like I said, I'm on my other podcast, I'm, I'm sponsored by wasp and I actually love the, the broadheads that these guys make. I just have to find out how to tune it right with the, the arrow that I've selected. And, uh, last year it worked perfect. This year was a different type of scenario. So, um, I, I don't know if, and plus I like, I'm the guy who likes to mess around and, and have a new setup every single year, as far as arrows and broadheads are concerned, just because I like, I like new things and like to test the weight and the speed and, uh, you know, the accuracy, I, but ultimately, accuracy wins every time, and I want to be able to uh, find the the setup that fits my needs. So I might be messing around with my arrow setup next year. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. But other it's... than other than that, man, I mean, this this trip, if anything, just solidified the brands that I was already using and saying that there were. A, a good selection for what I needed that gear for. Uh, and I, and I made a good decision other than, you know, other than my, my, uh, rain jacket. I think I'm re- really happy with everything that I, I used this, uh, this isn't going to be, I mean, we're 40 minutes in here and, uh, it's not like a, a groundbreaking episode. It's just kind of uh Hey, we chose right type of deal. Well, I've got a couple questions. Well, two things. One, yeah. Uh, I'll comment on my wife's bow setup real quick. Yep. She was shooting the Matthews Avail. I think she's got the 60-pound limbs on it, and she had it turned up to uh, – she worked her way up to 55 pounds this summer. Awesome. Um, yeah, good for her. Um, she's got a little shorter draw length, I think 25 inches, something like that. Uh, I don't know her arrow weight. She does shoot the Carbon Express Mayhem Hunters, which is a little heavier arrow. I think it's like – 10 grains or 10.1 grains per inch. Um, and then she was shooting a, a, a 125, 125 grain, um, G5 striker. I think it's the version two. Um, and she screwed those on and she shot each one through, uh, uh, each broadhead through a, a foam target and they were all very accurate and she was shooting at 30 yards. So, um, that was good to see. There was no, no real tuning issues. They didn't, they didn't fly. I think they hit a little high, but we're just not, we, we were testing them out, um, when we were out there and I don't know if they, I don't know if she shot a little high just cause, uh, the elevation and the thinner air. I'm not sure if that makes sense. I noticed that every time I practice with my bow, once I get out to Montana or Idaho, um, I, I always end up hitting just a two, three inches high as well. So, yeah, I, I re sight in my entire bow every, every time I go up to altitude. Oh, do you really? Yep. I re, I, I mean, I shouldn't say re sighted in, but that's ultimately what I'm doing is because I, right. you know, the last two years have proven that, uh, when you're going from Iowa to 10,200 feet, there's going to be, the air's different and, whatever's flying through the air is going to be different. And I've had to adjust this year. I had to adjust probably four inches. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, what else was I going to say? Oh, did you, what were you using to call with? Oh yeah. Um, I used a Primos cow call with a reed worked great. I, I used that last year too. I'm a big fan of it. And then I got a, a bugle tube this year that, uh, um, has a, a, a built in reed into it, but it's, uh, it has a life expect expectancy. So you have to replace that little reed part of it, 
but you just blow into it and it makes the yep. the sound um god dang it i forget the name of it i'd have to go i'd have to go look at it it's in the in the garage but it blueberry calls or uh blue it's, it's not a rocky mountain um okay i kind of know what you're talking about yeah but it's a it's a tube and i threw it over my shoulder um it it was really good i just felt like that reed should have lasted longer than the number of times that I blew into it. Uh, okay. By the end of the trip, five days, and I didn't blow it a ton. I mean, I wasn't screaming like uh, some of these people are. I was probably blowing it. I mean, there was days where I didn't even blow it at all. Okay. And uh, so I, I just felt like the reed part portion of it should have stood up a little bit better, but that is coming from a guy who this is my first bugle tube I've ever purchased. So maybe that's the, that's standard. Um, I just, but the, a replacement read did come with it. So I just had to replace it. And then, you know, the only thing I have to do next year is buy more replacement reads before I go out. Gotcha. Um, so I do, I go a little differently. I use the mouth read as well. I've got a uh, Primo's Sonic dome and I typically, that's usually typically what I used to bugle with. And then I've just got like a, a standard, uh, like Rocky Mountain uh, elk call, like tube, no reed built into it. I just, um, and then I, I run a second reed. I think it's by, I think that one is by Rocky Mountain elk calls. And that's like the, the I don't know if it's the Raging Bull or the Mellow Mama or something like that, but it just makes some really nice cow calls. Um, and that way I was, they both, those reads sound completely different. So there were times, uh, like I bugled a bull in just with a, a, a bugling sequence. And, um, I definitely switched reads in between, uh, just to kind of throw things off a little bit. And even when I was, cow, I could, I can, you can call cow call with both of them and that can even, that's two different sounds as well. So, yeah. um, and that's a lot of, that's a feedback, a lot of feedback from my wife. Cause obviously she's the one listening to me the whole time when I'm ca- calling. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, I, depending on what I was doing, uh, and you can bugle with both of them just fine. So, yeah. Um, yep. yeah, I didn't want to take the time to learn how to use diaphragm. So I just went with the built-in, the buccal tube with the built-in read and, uh, went from there. So gotcha. Other gotcha. than that, man, uh, any other any other products you want to talk about? Uh, do you run binos? I do. Vortex. Uh, they. I'll probably run Vortex to the day I die for the pure fact that I could have thrown them off the mountain, went and found them, damaged, send them in, replace them for free. That warranty. Uh, that warranty right. is unreal, right? Right. Uh, yeah. But I, but I did experience what. My buddy, he had a pair of Zeiss's. Uh, I think it was Zeiss or Swarovski's. I can't remember. But there is a difference in these ultra-premium binoculars compared to something that's like, I think the ones that I, I had, I bought for $200. And those that he had were probably closer to 1000 And for those binos, the there, there is a difference and it allows you to see a little bit more detail at longer distances. Cause there was a time, uh, I was looking through my binos. I'm like, is that a cow elk bedded down way over there? And then he hands me his binos. I look in the same area and it's a log, no doubt or a log. Right. right? So, um, vortex I'm sure makes a higher, a higher caliber bino than what I actually have. But I don't know. I'm happy with the way they work and I use them for, it's a one-stop shop for, uh, you know, everything I could get away with them out there. I only picked up my binoculars two times that whole trip. Gotcha. So it gotcha. wasn't like it was a, a game changer. Yeah. I mean, and then I think with elk hunting, it depends on what terrain you're in. If you're going to do a lot of glassing, I could see spending, uh, some extra money, and even running like a higher powered uh, set of binos. I run the 10 power, 10 by 42s. Um, I've got Le- I've got Leupold, it's like the BX3. They're a little bit more of a, uh, they're a medium price point. Um, yeah. 
And yeah, my 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 wife runs the the Vortex Diamondbacks. It's kind of sounds like what you have, and she could tell a little bit different uh, difference. They're even they even feel a little bit. Mine my loopholes even feel a little bit more lightweight. So, um, but yeah, we don't we weren't running any spotting scopes, and gosh, we were actually in quite a bit of timber that it, it's not really a, a big reason to have binos. So just middle of the day, sitting there, something to do glass and it's nice to have good glass yeah absolutely. So. now the story might change a little bit um i got a spotting a vortex spotting scope too that i'll be using on uh on my south dakota mule deer hunt coming up so i'm going to be doing a lot more glassing uh yep. on this next hunt. so uh, i'll report back but uh i'm like dude i'm a, i'm just a huge fan of vortex not only f- for their products, but just for their customer service and that warranty, you really can't right. beat it. So, right. Yep. So other than that, I don't have too much. I don't have really anything to talk about you. Um, no, no, not really. I didn't, I've got game bags and knives and stuff like that, but I didn't get to use it. <laughs> yeah, it right, so. <laughs> right. Once I get to, once I get to use some of that stuff, I, I'll have an opinion on it. But uh, right yeah. now I have a brand new buck knife that I bought two years ago that I don't even know if it's been out. Well, I take it back. I used it to uh, clean, uh, to gut my deer in the field uh, last year. But yeah. that's the only time it's been taken out of its sheath. Yeah, I've got a... Uh... We got a Havilon with their uh, replacement blades that I bought this year because I was like, yeah, it's a lighter weight option. I uh, didn't get to use that. And then um, I signed up for I got a I signed up for a Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation membership, and with it, I got a free um, like skinning knife that I brought with me, but also didn't get to skin anything. So right. right. Um, so yeah, maybe uh, maybe during whitetail season I'll get to put those to use. Absolutely. All right. Mr. Bob Polanik, thanks for uh, doing this today. And uh, for all the listeners, guys, why don't you go to the Sportsman's Nation uh, Facebook page or the Nine Finger Chronicles Facebook page when I uh, launch this episode and let us know how your gear is working out, if you have any products that you like, any products that you dislike. Uh, you know, I as much as I like hearing the positives of products, I also like hearing true hunters talk about what they dislike about products too because that is like i rely on what a lot of people say and 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 reviews that i see online about products to actually make my decisions on what i purchase as well so anytime i get some honest feedback from somebody um uh whether it's positive or negative i i i I like that 